So welcome, Heather, to the Unpacking um, Depression podcast. You're the first of a series of many people who've agreed to give their time to this cause of helping me and others understand more about depression. Mm -hmm. So the reason I wanted to do this is because um, depression isn't one of the particular things that I struggle with. I have many other neuroses and issues <laughs> that I have either historically or are currently struggling with in some way, shape, or form. Um, I've had my own journey with various themes and topics and struggles within that mental health, emotional health arena. Um, depression just hasn't really been one of them, though. It's just kind of not the way my nervous system really works. So um, it's sort of a little bit like this uncharted territory for me where I'm like, hmm, I, I kind of get it a little bit, but I don't fully get it as much as I would like to get it. So I've decided to focus on this project and talk to people with lived experience, and I just want to learn more about it. So I want to hear your story, your thoughts, um, whatever you want to share, they can kind of just dig in. Um, I'll probably be curious and ask you questions and you can, you don't have to answer anything you don't like, um, mm -hmm. you don't want to, but um, my goal is just to really hear people and understand this better. So. Um, yeah, I think it's 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 a hard thing to understand when you haven't experienced it, just like probably some of your your stuff you've gone through, because it's really hard. Well, I guess it's not really hard to describe because I managed to describe it for my three paintings. But I think um, I think it's a. Uh, um people can't relate and they they think they've been depressed before but you know that just and you know they've been one or two days they've had a low and then they get back up and go on with life and I think uh that's where the stigma comes in where people think you're just being lazy or or um just not willing to do the work to but they don't I don't think they realize how much work there is to do to come out of it mm -hmm. and sometimes you just you know you get there and then you something sets you off and you're back down to so you're like three steps forward two steps back so it's always like when you're working on it it's there is always improvement but it's still mm -hmm. it's still things can trigger and set you back but so there's always it. like this tendency of like if, if I get too stressed out or something bad happens, like that's the place where my brain wants to go. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I find, um, uh, I got a lot of habits with this depression. <laughs> I like, I, I like to run and hide. I like to sleep. I avoid, I procrastinate. Um, I, I just, uh, and uh, I've previously, I haven't cried a lot lately, but I was crying a lot for, there was a good five or six years where there wasn't a day where I didn't cry for at least an hour or so, you know, and I was pretty much bedridden during those times. I get up and I go to school to take my education degree and then I'd come home 
and I'd still have the kids to look after, but in between when I didn't have them, I'd be sleeping. Mm-hmm. So things didn't get done around the house like they should have and whatnot. It's just, I, I just, my brain just wouldn't let me do anything else besides the necessities of keeping my kids alive and <laughs> keeping myself alive and, and whatnot. So what did, like, what did it feel like, or how do you know? And like, is there, is for you, has there been like, um, different levels of it? Like where, you know, you're just feeling a little bit depressed or you're feeling like really, really depressed. And how do you kind of know where you're at with that? Uh, Well, um, well, I think I was really, I like, I don't think I know I was really, really depressed back in the, oh, it's between uh, 20, around 2010 and, you know, give or take five years, just in those, that time span, I know I was like really, really depressed and, and it is, and really lethargic and, and it felt like I had an elephant tied to my ass and, or my, you know, like, you know, some people say, do you have a piano tied to your butt? Well, Mm -hmm. I have had an elephant (laughs) and it just was just too much to even think about. Um, I don't know, to think about uh, doing the laundry. Laundry was a really big thing for me, not getting done. Yeah. So I'd sooner just go out and buy new clothes than do the laundry. So it got a little expensive that way. Yeah. 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 yeah, Like I can, I can kind of relate to what you're saying in terms of like, I've experienced fatigue, like physical fatigue. Mm -hmm. My body was just kind of like shutting down and I just couldn't kind of like get up the energy, but what do you, how do you kind of differentiate what you call depression versus like fatigue because fatigue is more like one symptom of many under right. the umbrella of depression right mm-hmm. well there's um a lot of factors that you have to deal with and besides fatigue there's uh um oh i don't know it's sensitivity uh, they're like, you're sensitive to what people say. Uh, you're, you're lonely, you're sad all the time. And I know that sounds vague saying sad all the time. Cause, but you know, things just aren't going your way and things just tend to get worse and worse. And, uh, it was usually money. That was a big thing for me that, I, you know, I'd spend money I didn't have and, you know, like credit with credit cards and stuff. And then I get, <laughs> I get into trouble that way. And then that exacerbates your other symptoms and it takes you for a loop. Um, and let's see what else I'm trying to think about what else, uh, Cause I'm feeling pretty good right now. So those feelings aren't right at the surface. So it's uh, kind of hard to recall in a sense. Um, but uh, I'm, I, I just know that there was just no fixing it at, at that time that like, I couldn't see the end of the tunnel for the longest time. Um, and it, it, 
I've been I've been depressed since well, most of my life phase. So, but never diagnosed until I was about 18, 19. And then uh, with the eating disorder, and then we just worked from there. And I've been, I've, I don't know, I can't even count how many counselors I've seen because, you know, you move and then you go see another counselor and then, oh, you don't like that counselor. So you go find a new counselor <laughs> kind of thing. And, you know, I had to go the free route. I didn't have the money to do the, find the expertise that I needed. Um one of the, the things that, one of the phrases that helped me deal with some issues I, I had at work with some people, and it was that, you know, they'd walk around like, um, you know, Pigpen from, from Charlie Brown, he had that cloud of dirt over his head, uh, well, there was, or, or Eeyore, he has that cloud over his head all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had people I worked with supervisors I worked with and they'd walk around like, like that with this cloud over their head and mopey faces. And, you know, what did I do wrong? Why is she reacting like that to me? And then uh, something I had learned is that I can't control their feelings, but I can control how I react. Mm. And that was a really good phrase for me to, to, to start off with in, in, in my healing. It, it really helped me there. And uh, it didn't help me enough to come out of it, but it helped me cope with that, that situation at work. And then when I figured out, well, it's, those are her issues, not my issues. I'm not the one causing them. She's having her own dealies. Mm. So um, when I realized that, then work got a lot easier. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I find working with females is a lot harder than men. Mm. Men tend to let things go. Females usually hold grudges. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that helped me cope with her grudges because she did have a lot against me. But, you know, I can't control. That's her attitude towards me. It wasn't my attitude towards her. So it yeah, really helped sure. me let go of a lot of stuff. Control sort of thing. Like this mm. is what I can change and, is it kind of fair to say that you would just, you know, take on other people's stuff, like try to make sure everybody else was okay and just that sort of like. Yeah, I found that I was doing a lot of that, trying to make everybody happy. So mm-hmm. again, another phrase that, that helps is that, you know, you can only make yourself happy. You can't make everybody else happy. Again, because you can't control how they're at, reacting to their situations, so or what the situation between yourselves, each other. So, I found uh, that again that that helped really helped me um, learn how to deal with people, and it's it's it was a really steep learning curve because they don't teach you that in university or or uh, and it didn't come natural for me because. Um, uh, I don't want to drag my parents into it, but my, my parents, my mom was really not tactful. She just kind of said what was on her mind. And that got me into a lot of trouble in my first few years of work because I didn't realize I wasn't supposed to do that. Mm. And, uh, it was a really steep learning curve for me to, 
to um to take on I guess mm-hmm. and uh you know and then you start to learn how to play the political game and that that helped with work you know and, um personal relationships well I kind of uh I kind of like I guess found it difficult like even with my my ex-husband we were we were together for 16 years and we both did our diddlies or our crap to each other you know we were both treated each other poorly and uh, finally we had to call it quits but I find that um, that learning to be tactful and to fight fair and you know, I expect I <laughs> I live by the golden rule: treat others as you would like to be treated. And you know that kind of sets me up for a lot of failures because because other people don't think that way. So that kind of really set me up for a lot of a lot of difficulties too. Where people were kind of taking advantage of your kindness or. Yeah, that too. But they were, they just don't act that way. They don't treat people the way they want to be treated. They treat you like crap, you know, or they, they do what they want to do. You know, they'll take advantage of you or they'll, they'll uh, just do what they feel that needs to be done. And, and, and as long as it benefits them, they're happy. They don't think of how it affects others. And I guess that's what this other (laughs) <laughs> my other painting the one we have at the uh gallery is talking about is, is people just don't treat you as well as you deserve i guess right and from from my perspective right you know because i expect people to treat me as i treat them and i do treat uh i think there's maybe three people that i really treated poorly and I really regretted it every time I did it. And it just doesn't, uh, uh, didn't sit well with me. And I just couldn't cope with the guilt of treating them that bad. So I just don't treat people poorly, it, you know, treat them with respect and give them the dignity that they deserve. And, you know. Yeah, we kind of have like a throwaway culture kind of mentality of, disposable everything disposable. yes yes even friends are disposable yeah the sort yeah. of consumption oriented right i'm going to consume this and going to toss it away when i'm done with it sort of mm-hmm. yeah we don't have to um have to rely on each other like i always think of like tribal societies right like if you had to survive based on helping each other and cooperating and you know you're going to see that person for the rest of your life, you have to look at them. <laughs> you're going to be less inclined to, you know, treat them like crap if you're just if your survival depends on them, and you know you have to work it out with them because you have to coexist with them for however long. Like pretty yeah, long to, time, right? yeah, because their success is your success. So exactly. Whereas we've yeah. gone into this mentality of just go get it for yourself. So you know, yeah, have- I find. 
I find that's a, a very true for a lot of a lot of things nowadays. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you said that you were um, like that. This kind of existed your whole life. Um, depression. Like, can you put your finger on when you first felt that, or has it just been with you your as long as you can remember? Um. Well, I think it started when I was around 12, my early teens. Okay. Yeah. And I don't have a specific incident to relate to, like why, what triggered it, how it started. Uh, I just, um, there very well could be something I've, I've put away and don't want to think about, mm. but I don't know. And that just keeps it it just started from there and uh i had a uh i i don't want to say i had a rough life because i was spoiled rotten but emotionally i never heard i love you from my parents until uh i was 18 and that was in a letter um we never hugged or or anything um until again, until I started going out with my my ex husband, their family hugged a lot. So then I started hugging my family because I thought, well, this is kind of cool. I didn't know families did this. So, um, you know, and and uh, I did, uh, you know, that was that was. So I didn't have a lot of emotional support mm. uh, that in in my perception now you'd ask my mother and she'd probably deny that but she does well she's 90 now so she can't remember everything anyway but but uh yeah it's unfortunate that she uh she didn't realize the effect her comments had on me mm. you know I was we we uh she was going through menopause and I was going through my 16 you know, when you're 16, you're trying to find your independence and, and all that. And we just fought and cried and fought and cried and fought and cried the, the whole, there were two years there. And uh, that was quite devastating for me. And uh, I'd say, mom, you don't know the problems I have. And she says, you don't have problems. Mm. And uh, and quite often, and I still get it today, I'm turning 60, and I still get it that her problems are bigger than my problems, mm. that I, I should be coping with mine fine and dandy, but hers are, hers are too big to deal with sort of thing. So um, it's, uh, you know, uh, it was a tough thing to grow up with mm -hmm. where, you know, and I started shutting down, I think when I was around about 16, when it really started hitting me after those kind of comments, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, I, and uh, I was dealing with weight issues too. And, uh, um, you know, I'd be jogging for, I don't know, maybe two months or so. And, uh, Every time I came home, mom said, you're going to die because I had exercise-induced asthma. So I'd be coughing when I got home 
and I'd need the puffer and stuff and I had it, but the, and then I'd quit running and she'd say, well, I don't know why you quit running. You were looking so good, but I never got any encouragement. So I, I, I kind of had to find my way by myself, mm. um, you know, with, then I think that's why I stick so much to the golden rule. Cause I never had that at home, you know, that kind of, kind of support. And I don't like, she did the best that she could that, you know, her skills allowed her to do, you know, I'm, uh, but uh, it was a, pretty tough, pretty tough growing up. Yeah. You know, yeah. Dad wasn't any better. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd go on TV, like he'd watch TV and he'd make comments about how fat people were and how, you know, this and that about their body types and stuff like that. And, and then I would absorb that in and translate it into my body being too fat and in and uh there were a lot of times when I was growing up that I had a pretty good pretty good shape but it was uh not recognized I guess well and even um to think that you have to be a certain way like to have to look a certain way in order to be loved and accepted unconditionally like that that's whoa, that's really hard. Yeah, it is. Mm. Yeah, my mom used to complain I never put makeup on because when you're in university, you don't have time to put makeup on all the time. And you and I was in aquatics and you're in and out of the water and you just get used to not wearing any. And she wanted me to put some on one day. So I put some on and I did it the way I normally do it. She says, well, don't you have too much makeup on? See, so there was never any happy medium. It was either uh, not good enough or not good enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah, no. yeah. And, that does and then, make sense. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's probably what I most of it stemmed from is is from you know comments like that and you know and. Uh, not being able to live up to their expectations Mm -hmm. and even though they joke about it like I come home and I'd have a really good grade and then he'd say well why didn't you get a hundred kind of thing and he'd be joking but it and I knew he was joking but deep down it wasn't good enough yeah oh yes exactly it's not something that probably can be joked about without it being an actual wound yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so well especially when I was so wounded anyway you know maybe if I had ever had everything else going for me and he did that I wouldn't have been as uh, sensitive to it but uh, yeah it's it's a touchy thing growing up and if you don't have that love and support especially when you see it in other families when you it really hurt it hurts even more when you see what you've missed out on mm-hmm. like oh families are like this mm-hmm. you know oh you know. So when did you start to think to your like when did you actually notice that families weren't like that or that 
that about you when I was in my 20s in my 20s because I never really saw anything different in my small hometown um again there was no consistency with friends I'd I'd be okay to hang out with this one group one time for a couple months and then they get mad at me for something and or drop me or whatever they did and I'd go hang out with another group and then and then I'd be able to hang out with them again and those mean girls you know the Mm -hmm. popular ones and and then it'd be oh no not good enough anymore Mm -hmm. (laughs) so consistency was a really important part of my life um or you know I I still don't cope well in gray areas Mm -hmm. you know I have to know I prefer to know you know where I stand rather than uh, not have a, not have any feedback, mm-hmm. you know, give me feedback. I don't care what it is. Just give me feedback so I can deal with it. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Rather than, uh, being left, left out in the, in the, uh, in the wild to <laughs> guess, yeah. you know, I just exactly. don't like guessing. Not so that was another factor. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. That was another factor that led leads to, you know, my depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, when you like you said, you can kind of go back to when you were twelve, and that like, at what point did you actually have a conscious thought that like, not everybody goes through this, or that like this is what's called depression? Because like I don't think that word was really used back in. Not, the- no. Um. I still don't think it was used very much when I was even in university in my 20s. That was the 80s, in the 80s. Um, my dog is digging at something here. <laughs> I don't know what he's up to. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't think it was really clearly defined for me until I was married and in. Uh, probably in the midst of the worst part of my marriage and and then you you know you'd be listening to the radio or something would come up and I and it would say and then it'd be hey that's me kind of thing and then like with my bulimia I didn't know what it was I just knew that uh I just knew that uh I was binging and purging I didn't know that it had a name and uh I was listening to a radio broadcast one day and this psychiatrist or psychologist was defining it. And I'm going, well, that's me. And then, um, and then I knew I was like depressed and the, some counselors that I'd see or, or doctors I'd see would treat me like, you know, the snap out of it kind of depression. They would treat me kind of, you know, it wouldn't be, it wasn't as severe to them as it was to me. And, and then I would hear again on a, some other program about clinical depression. And while well, that described me to a T. So as soon as I was able to describe myself in medical terms to the medical community, I got treated differently. Like just so like they take a, it was more severe, I guess, yeah. take it as it was more severe. 
And so my understanding, it took a long time to understand myself as, as, as uh, with, you know, being depressed and, and uh, like anorexia and bulimia are signs. I didn't, well, I wasn't ever anorexic, but um, are signs of depression and, and lack of control in your life. And, and uh, basically that's very, it's very, um, much a symptom of or a sign of what uh I was going through because my mom was very controlling and and uh you know you don't want to do that and you don't want to do this and and uh that's how I'd be told to not do something that you don't want this you don't want to do that you don't want to do this not I don't want you to do this it was you don't want to do this So it was very, yeah, very mm-hmm. kind of controlling. And so, like, I, I knew there was something wrong, but when you're not, uh, you not don't have the tools. Mm-hmm. And like you say, it wasn't talked about back then. So, you know, you kind of have to learn as you go. Excuse me, <clears throat> I'm going to cough. Um, you kind of have to learn as you go. And it's very difficult to to be on your own basically and then go to the medical community and say <laughs> like you kind of diagnose yourself in the head and in, in your head and then you go to them and just then you have the terminology to be able to describe it and then they're they can treat you better right because you know some people just assume that I was just you know it's humdy ho <laughs> kind of thing and uh I even had oh I had one counselor tell me how I was feeling once that wasn't a good plan I (laughs) didn't see her ever again because she said she started describing or telling me how I was feeling and I didn't feel that's how counseling should go I'd been in enough sessions with others that uh I knew that that's not the kind of counseling I wanted to be told what to do. So I just kind of dropped her and went and found somebody else. But, and then um, when I was at my worst, when I was bedridden in, oh, I'm trying to think 2005, between 2005 and 2010-ish, when I was going to school for my education degree, that was really the worst I was. And, uh, and then I, when I started getting contracts for teaching, I got caught up in, you know, the stress of it all and not being able to keep up with the work. And, and uh, one principal recognized that and didn't want me around anymore. <clears throat> So obviously that was a big blow, but, but she said, you're not reacting normally. I need to send you to somebody. So she sent me to the um, psychologist that they had, the teachers had, and that, that psychologist sent me to a professional. And then finally, and I had been, I had done outpatient therapy and I had done like I had done two sessions. So basically six months of outpatient therapy and I still never got acknowledged 
the way I got acknowledged by this therapist. And, and she actually um, validated me. And that's where the most progress came is where I got validated for every little, the things I've been whining about right now, <laughs> like with my mom and stuff, but she validated me. She's saying, those are not, those are not normal things. She's saying, those are, you, you have a right to be upset about them. And, and, you know, yes, they were that. Yes, they hurt you. So that was the most progress I've made. I had made at that time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so it, you know, you just kind of got to find somebody who, who you can, I was really grateful for that though. Yeah. Somebody who gets the gravity of just how important getting those attachment needs met in yeah. childhood. And, and it's not a matter of blame. Like, it's not like, Oh, well, you know, your mom, your parents are to blame. Like, it's just, it's a situation that gets transmitted intergenerationally. Right. And like you mm-hmm. said, people do the best they can, but um, you know, if you know th- that generation and probably like, do you know anything about the conditions of their, your parents' childhoods? Um, I did ask my aunt about my mom's childhood and I asked her why she's so critical and negative and about things and and she she said she was the favorite (laughs) my mom was the favorite so I my aunt couldn't figure out why she was like that because she had a really good really good upbringing and stuff so it was but she lived through the dirty 30s and you know the um the what it was depression and <laughs> I couldn't think of the word and we're talking about it but the depression that's funny eh? the great um, depression, yeah. but she lived through that so she, you know she's had her own experiences that way but I don't think she and I guess um my grandparents were German and I guess my grandpa yelled at my grandma quite often mm. and I think it's just the nature of a German I, no offense to Germans, but I think it was just the na- his nature. And it always sounded like he was yelling. Even when I was there, I hated going there because it sounded like he was yelling at her all the time. And the, But the German language is also very aggressive. Right. I find. So yeah. I've learned to know that it's very aggressive. So maybe he wasn't really yelling at her, yelling at her. Um, but that's how I interpreted it. So that didn't you know, make me happy. Maybe not the most warm. <laughs> yeah, not the most warm environment to be in, but, and I didn't have to stay that long, but we never saw them that often, but mm-hmm. it was just, you know, as a child, you see it differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cause my parents never argued. So mm-hmm. at yeah. that time. So yeah. was it liberating for you to gain this term or did it feel like you were being pathologized? Like when you found the word depression, when you were like, oh, that's me. Like, was did that feel freeing to find a word or did it feel like you were being kind of like stigmatized or pathologized? No, I felt, I, I felt it, it was very helpful. Very, it was because you didn't know what was wrong with yourself. Mm. Like I didn't know what was wrong. So I was like, 
what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? Why can't I be this way? Why can't I be that way? You know, why, why is this happening? And when you're able to define it and you sound like a monkey. <laughs> he, he does sound like a monkey. <laughs> yeah. So when you're able to define it, it, it's, it's way more helpful than it is to be sitting out there in that gray area, just floating around trying to figure out what's going on. I never felt stigmatized. I, I like, I knew there was a stigma with that comes along with depression, but I never felt labeled or cause I'd label myself. I, I would talk to people and I was, I was usually very, very forthcoming and that really shocks people too hey like uh I was very I lost um I lost my first pregnancy and I'd say oh I had a miscarriage and it would make people very very uncomfortable but it was therapeutic for me to be able to speak honestly about it you know so it's a matter it's a fact of life they happen and, and I, I mean, uh, nothing I could do to change it. So I might as well go on and, and, uh, you know, work with it instead of against it. Yeah. Not just have it hidden in shame and not talk about it. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I find the same with the depression. I find that it's, uh, I'd, I'd rather be able to talk about it than to hide it, you know, Especially now that it's coming out, uh, uh, coming out more frequently talked about um, with Bell, Bell, let's talk week and or is it month? No, I think it's just a week. You know, Bell has this thing on the they have it on uh, social media and stuff that you know, let's talk and things like that. So yeah, yeah. So do you like you were talking about? clinical depression versus mild depression like does it bother you when people say like oh I'm depressed and they they're kind of having like this like experience of maybe feeling down or something and then they're like or is the word do you kind of use the word clinical depression to distinguish that from like a mild form of depression where like clinical is very debilitating like you you talked about being bedridden like like mm. what that look like like um, you know what I mean like mm-hmm. I find uh it frustrating when people say oh I was so depressed and it was like for three days mm. that's misuse of the word mm. I think mm. because you have no idea what the word the strength of the word is like they have no de- no idea how bad it can get and if you can if you can be depressed for three days and then go back on your happy way your merry way well then good on you but <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think I think they use the the term lo- too loosely mm. yeah I think they use it um they don't uh um consider the ramifications it would have on somebody who actually has been through it or is going through it. So how did you get through like being bedridden and stuff? Like, 
because what I've observed is like when people start to have, like when you start to have issues such as like not being able to go to work or something, um, then more problems pile up because there's more problems to deal with. And the, the world expects you to be all that much more on top of everything, making all these calls, making arrangements, figuring stuff out. Like what happens to your world when you just kind of shut it out? Yeah. Right? It, <laughs> well, I kind of didn't get to shut it out because I was that, that, that uh, things sort of just fell apart after my ex-husband, after he left. So that's when things started to unravel, but I still had the kids to look after. I still had to, I had asked them to take the kids because I was so, I was ready to I mean, admit myself. And I had asked them to take the kids and they said over my dead body, him and his, his spouse. So they, they said over my dead body. And I asked his brother, I said, can you take the kids for a little bit? Well, we'd have to adopt them and they'd be my, ours, you know, Oh, okay. Well, that was not an option. And nobody was really helping me, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I had nowhere to turn. So I kind of had to suck it up and, and, and be with those kids as much as I could. Um, I did sleep a lot uh, with them around. Um, and thank God for video games. Cause they, I know that a parent's worst nightmare sometimes, but thank God for video games for me because that kept them busy. Mm-hmm. Well, like I'd nap on the couch while they were playing video games in the living room and things like that. And I, I, I don't know. I had no control over it. I, the sleep came. It just, right. you know, you just slept. Well, and it's like, I I know this just from my own experience that, you know, your psyche kind of knows what it can get away with, so to speak. So it's like, okay, you just need to like, when you get alarmed, like you get driven by this stress of like, okay, I need to do this. I need to do that. And then you, in the back of your mind, you kind of know like, okay, but I, but those are the only things that I bare minimal you know, minimally need to do in order to keep this boat from completely sinking. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of like your brain just shuts off when it knows it, it has the opportunity to. Yeah. And it kind of think- instincts kick in like, okay, but I need to do this and I need to do that, but that's the bare minimum I need to do. And then I can shut down again. Yeah. And it took me three years to get my two year after degree because because I was so depressed and I had to um, spread out my, my classes so that I could finish it or two and a, maybe two and a half years, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it took me a little longer, but you know, it, it, it I guess it was meant to be, you know, I, I still got the degree and have that credential behind me now. And not that I use it, my education. I mean, I use the education part, but I don't use, I don't teach anymore because it's too stressful. Mm. Yeah. It's a very stressful job. Yeah. Yeah. And the expectations are higher. They get higher every year. You know, they expect, they add more to the curriculum. 
to accomplish, but they don't give you any more time and they, you know, and they don't pay you for your time. Like teachers don't work, don't work like eight to three. Yeah. They work, they work seven till seven till 12 sometimes. Mm-hmm. At least my, one, my friend did. She'd get up and go to work around seven, seven thirty, and and she would she'd go home, but she'd still be working until midnight, marking and prepping and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't think people understand that enough. Yeah, they earn their um, summer vacation, that's for sure. But even then, you have to. Go yeah, early. and it's really only a one month off because you have yeah. to go back early. You, I mean, you you spend two weeks cleaning up. Mm-hmm. after june and then you spend you go back two weeks early so you really only get a month off right yeah you know it's not like a whole lot of time off so when you're kind of like going through these waves let's say like where you're kind of just trying to like do this minimum like do the minimum take care of the kids make a meal do whatever you have to do kind of to survive but then you're kind of shutting down and crashing um even when you're kind of like trying to do the things you need to do, is it like being in some, like kind of like being really, really tired or being in a fog or like, is it really hard to kind of like, does it feel like you're not like ever able to kind of come to or like wake up or that kind of feeling or what is it like, what does it feel like? That's a good question because yeah, it's very much like being in a fog where you just can't, (laughs) <laughs> it's not like you can unzip it and come out of it it's it's mm-hmm. like um you you you're just treading through this treading through this I did another painting where where I have a monkey on my back and I'm walking through concrete because that's what it feels like where you're you're just treading through this wet concrete trying to get through um you know and get rid of this monkey on your back but it doesn't go away which is the depression, right? So it just doesn't go away. It just hangs around and, you know, until I found that, that like, I think uh, what, like I said, when I found that psychi- psychologist, she was really the one that was really good and I uh, uh, acknowledged all my hurt. Uh, I think until then, I didn't make as much progress as I did with her. And I only saw her for about six months. So previously, you know, you add up all those years of therapy. And then in six months, I I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and and, and whatnot. So. so do you feel like you're kind of like on the other side for the most part of having those experiences? Or do you feel like you're liable to kind of... Um at any point like get have a trigger and be kind of like catapult into that feeling where you don't have kind of like the sense of control over what's happening where this like shutting down mechanism is just kind of pressing down and, and you're having to trudge through that that concrete yeah um I don't feel it as as much anymore I feel like I'm on the other side um and some of my paintings still the girl that had the hair all over the place. I don't know if you remember seeing the picture of that one. There was a dark circle in there and, and you feel like you're seeing the end of the tunnel and, and you're coming out, but there's always that ready to pull you back in. 
and 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 that's that's hard but it at least it and when you're aware of that even it's easier to avoid it you know it's you know and and i find uh i don't do as much as uh, a lot of normal 50s 60 year olds do i do i do what i have to do to make it through the day and uh you know i have my dog to <laughs> to get me outside cuz if not i'd be in bed sleeping still um so uh and 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 uh yeah i just uh don't do as much don't function as highly as i could cuz with my intelligence i'm i mean i could i could function really highly but with my emotional intelligence, my emotional abilities don't allow me to function that high because uh, I just, I just can't. It just, you know, I still, still got some concrete on my shoes, (laughs) I guess. There. So what do you have to do to kind of like, I I don't know, I don't want to necessarily say take care of yourself, but what do you, are there certain things that you know, just like, work for you where you're like I need to go outside (laughs) or you know I don't feel good when I don't get sunlight every day or whatever yeah no that I don't see I oh I prefer just to sleep stay in stay in my bedroom and and hide because it's just easier than facing the world again (laughs) But I have to work, right? I have to work because if I don't work, I don't eat. So I have to drag myself out of bed and I have to, you know, do my job. And, you know, when you don't have any other choices, you kind of just find ways to cope with it and, and do what you have to do. But when I come home, I'm really not as high functioning like I don't. I don't run around the house and clean the house when I get home. And, and uh, the most I can do is take my dog for a walk. You know, that's the most I do. And, and I would like to be able to, to do more, but I just, uh, I, uh, it's so hard, you know, when your, your emotional abilities just pull you back you know and 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 then that's created a another challenge for me because I'm I'm way overweight I'm like well you well you saw me I'm overweight so um but uh hopefully I can battle that one because I'm going to have bariatric surgery in June so hopefully I can lose some some weight and and maybe with losing weight, I'll be feel more like being active. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that because I know because I because that's how I fought it in university the first time in the 80s is a healthy body, healthy mind. I I truly believe in that. But when I was bedridden, that's when the weight started going on. And and then it it's a never ending battle ever since. So I used to be able to get it off and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
yeah one, one kind of bad thing or you know kind of something that kind of drags you down and kind of pulls you into yeah it's first like yeah it's like sugar right like you eat sugar and then you feel or like this is for me right like I'll eat sugar and then I feel lethargic and then I'm lethargic and so I want to eat sugar and then I'm eat sugar and then I'm lethargic and it's like yeah no I get it I get it I can relate fully to that yes yes it's really really quite a uh catch 22 exactly exactly yeah but I respect what you're saying about you know just acknowledging what your capacity is and just saying you know like this is where I'm at I'm not going to do more than this I'm I, like I just can't like uh, I'm not going to do like a million things when I get home I'm going to do the few things that are important and well clearly you've had you've done painting um yeah what's your relationship with art been like is does, is it do you have to like push yourself to get something out or is it something that you just really love doing I I love doing it but I haven't sat down to do it because my my place was so crowded and messy and and it, I'm just getting it cleaned up now my son moved out so I'm just you know doing cleaning and and uh and I'm setting up this room that I'm in as was his room um so I'm setting it up as my, my, my office and art studio. So I'm just, I just got a little bit left to do. I'm kind of an all or none person um, where if it's not done, I won't start anything new. So I got to get this cleaned up before I, I got to get this cleaned up before I, uh, before I start in a, a painting. Because once I sit down at the at the easel, I'm there for like eight hours. I just get lost in it and, and I just keep going. So well, how, how does that work? Like does does it do you just start painting and like or do you plan something or how do you like well, you're like depicting the things in your life? Like this is like this beautiful, expressive, playful thing for you where you're mm-hmm painting what's inside of you but like how do you get from a blank canvas to this incredible piece of art (laughs) well I find uh it's it's a lot about picking a feeling that you have and trying to relay that onto the canvas um sometimes I'll start with a sketch and actually the sketch of the one you have at right at right now in the gallery my sketch is actually more proportionate and better. But once I start painting, you know, you got, I, that's why I call them quirky girls. Cause mm. when you paint them, it comes out different than it does with, for me with, than it does on graph with graphite. Cause graphite, I can erase and go back and erase and go back painting. I can paint over and go back and stuff, but but when you get half your painting done and then you realize you're running out of room, <laughs> you kind of got to, you know, play with it a bit and take artistic license. And that's kind of what I, what I do, but yeah, I just, um, sometimes it's just a, a, a goal or um, my friend, uh, she asked me two years ago to do this picture and I haven't gotten to it yet. Cause I just, there was just no room in my place to do it. So now I'll be able to get that done for her. 
uh, it's she's a Newfie and it's a picture of the Newfoundland landscape. Uh, well, you know, with the colorful houses and and whatnot there. And uh, yeah, I'll be able to do that for her pretty soon. And you know, I oh shush. Um, you know, I do other things that are really creative, like for my Halloween costume. I was you can't have him yet. Um, my Halloween costume, I was uh, the Mad Hatter, so oh. I did Cheshire. I made myself a Cheshire cat. Oh wow! Oh wow! He was he was too expensive to buy. That's incredible. So I, I used that. Oh, I used that. Um, I use my creativity in lots of ways that way, and I get to use my creativity at work where to do crafts or and I just. And everybody goes, well, what are we doing for craft this week? <laughs> and I just pull something out of my butt usually, hmm. or I'll, uh, uh, you know, look at look at something and then adapt it, okay. like look it up online and then adapt it. Like, yeah, it's it's. Uh, so I do get to use my creativity. It's not that I'm stifled. So I think if I was more stifled, I would be painting more. So but, painting is this like therapeutic process for you? Very. How long have you been doing it for? Well, I've been doing it for, I'm trying to think. In the 80s, I started learning how to paint. I didn't know I was good at art until I took art classes at university. And I was getting, I was getting 70s and 80s. And, you know, I thought, oh, I'm good at this. <laughs> if I'm getting those marks. And then, um and then uh, it, uh, this, uh, my drawing teacher showed me how to use paint. And then I just kind of self-taught myself. And, and, um, and then I went back to university. Oh, oh, where were we? oh, Grant McEwen. I went back to Grant McEwen, took a year of fine arts and uh, was on the Dean's list, but we had to move to Calgary because his job took him to Calgary. So at Cal in Calgary, it took, um, uh, it used to be called Alberta College of Art and Design, Ooh. but it's got a different name now. Um, I think it's a universe, uh, it's a university now. Anyway, um, and I've got like A's, high A's, like A's and, and uh, well, in my sculpture, this, the, the teacher was marking on a curve. So I, I think I got a B in it because he was marking on a curve and I I hate that bell curve with the oh, yeah. passion you know I could be getting 90s and 100s on my sculptures per se but because he has to have so many in this category and so many in that category you know you get bumped down you know yeah those were awful I, I hope they I think they've done away with that kind of marking but <laughs> well I would hope so because it's not fair to the students who do work hard and uh, you know can accomplish things so but yeah so um yeah I did really well there too and then we moved back to Edmonton again so I couldn't finish anything there and uh I kind of stuck at half a degree now <laughs> in fine arts which I would I would love to finish but uh, it is financially not sound. 
So what type of work do you do now? Like you said you were- I work in recreation therapy. Oh, okay, okay. With the dementia, with dementia residents. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's very rewarding. Um, they're very appreciative of what anything you do for them, you know, and they 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 like to have you around. Well, that's really cool and stuff. So yeah, it's very rewarding. So, um, it's a good job, and it for me, it's low stress. Um, you talk to some people who work in that field, and they say it's high stress because you have so much, you have to keep giving. But for me, because of where I've come from and what I've expressed, what I've figured out or dealt with before, yeah, this is not, <laughs> it's not a hard job at all. Mm. Yeah, and right. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice to have a job that you can, you want to get up and go to. Yes. Because I've worked in retail and that's tough. That's a really hard job. Well, if you're if your instincts and your tendencies are to kind of like shut down when things are too stressful, then you have to find something that you don't want to shut down too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's right. And that's that's probably why I like this job so much, because I don't I don't feel I guess threatened would be a word hmm. we could we could use. Yes. Because the response is to the threat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's a good word to to use because I don't feel, although there are some changes happening now, but you just shake your head. What are these head office? Why are they changing things? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you shake your head and go, okay, well, how am I going to cope with this now? You know? Yeah. I got to work, right? So until I can, you know, I can look around and look for a similar job. But until then, I still got to make this one work mm-hmm. for me, right? So, yeah, you just got to gotta go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good that it kind of fits in, in enough of a way that it, you know, kind of works. Mm-hmm. Um. So is there, is there anything else that you kind of wanted to like talk about or share as kind of like a wrap up? Uh, I'm trying to think if I had um, those aha moments, like when I realized it's not my fault, how somebody else is reacting, they're responsible for their own feelings and I'm responsible for mine. That's an aha moment for me. And there were other ones that I've had, but they weren't as striking as that one. Um, those little moments where they seem insignificant, they tend to be the most profound in the end where you can, where you can get, to get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I don't know. I would like to, I guess, I would like to be able to help other people now Mm. with, you know, um, group therapy is really nice. Uh, It's our group doing group, Um, especially because in general, there's no crosstalk, right? So you can't say, 
well, that's stupid. You, you know, why did you do that? You, mm -hmm. you can't say those things, but you can, you can offer, um, you can offer examples of how you did things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you wouldn't be directing it to anybody in particular, but you'd say, well, I think this was very useful for me, you know, and then maybe they'll have their aha moment or something. Yeah. yeah, I think like when, when you've been through something really challenging, it's important to be able to make some sort of meaning from that to be able to offer something of service to someone else or even like even just the paintings, though, right? Like those yeah. are a huge act of service because they people see them and it moves them and then they understand and then it just makes life for other people easier and people more understanding and more caring and so it's like this way to make something out of what you've been through mm -hmm. back um or you know it's, mentoring or what have you yeah and it's nice I think also where they can find something that they can relate to and think that they're not the only one because yeah. quite often you get into that blinder situation you know where the horses wear those blinders you yeah. get into that situation where you think you're the only one suffering yeah. and and when you find others that can real can understand you it it's really um i don't know i, I don't want to say enlightening but it's really helpful mm -hmm. to know that you're not the only one and that yes you can get help and you know and recover Absolutely. That's probably one of the worst forms of suffering is feeling that you're completely alone in that suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And thinking that you're the, what did you do wrong? Why? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes you get wallowing in why me, but I try not to think that way. You don't, it doesn't help. So, you know, yeah, having a community it's more like, what can I do? What can I do? to make the situation better kind of thing. I, and one more thing I just thought of, and, and when I get a feeling, I work hard at identifying where that feeling came from mm. and what it is. So then I can pull out of my toolbox in my head, um, what my tools to deal with that situation, mm. you know, and, and, uh, and I, that that's really helpful to identify what's, why you're feeling that way and 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 then you can find a way to deal with it or ask for help to deal with it then uh whichever way whatever position you're in at that moment yeah but yeah i i really work hard at doing that and sometimes if something's bugging me and it i leave it sit for 24 hours and if it's not bugging me anymore then Hooray. <laughs> if just it's giving, bugging me, then I have to address it. Giving something the space to just come in and be mm -hmm. there. And it just, it's like the weather. They, it just goes through. And I think even just what you said, like just identifying and naming and giving a feeling the space to, to be there instead of just distracting ourselves is a, is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just allow it to happen. And, 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 and then you can know who you need to ask for, ask for help or, 
or like if you've done as much therapy as I have, you have tools. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I was also, <laughs> I guess in my outpatient therapy, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm going on and on and on here, but <laughs> yeah. I got one more thing to tell you that, oh, that in my outpatient therapy, I took this quiz and I was identified as borderline personality disorder. So I went to outpatient therapy for that too. So, and that, that's where, you know, you, you, it's, uh, you're learning to deal with people then, you, you know, and, and not be as sensitive towards things. And, and that's where I get the phrase, do what I have to do to get through the day kind of thing, you know, get done what needs to be done. And let everything else sit till the next day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's lots of things that I, I don't think depression is ever alone. I think yeah. there's lots of things that come with it. And, and, you know, it, it's something that needs to be worked on and, and not, not shoved in the back of your, you know, in your back of your mind, it needs to be worked on and there's no shame in asking for help. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I don't love the disorder model. I think it gives us some language for sets of symptoms so we can kind of talk about things. Uh At the end of the day, it doesn't really explain much of anything. Whereas, you know, looking at things from, um, my training is looking at things from the attachment-based approach and looking at human development and that's a lot more useful of a way to understand why people kind of are having the reactions that they're having or experiences that they're, you know, why things are the way they are. Like mm-hmm. everything you've said, it all makes sense to me based on what you, um, how you've explained that your experiences are, mm-hmm. it, it all makes sense to me. And just to kind of pigeonhole and say like, oh, it's this, you know, it's this diagnosis or it's that, you know, it it's it's so much more complicated like you said there's everything is connected and there's so many pieces yeah yeah and that yeah I just yeah I don't want to be labeled as borderline because I've really worked hard not to be anymore but it it's just the part of who part of what came along with the depression right I think it's where you learn your coping mechanisms and they and they might not be accurate coping mechanisms. <laughs> and then the, those are the ones that get you into trouble. And, you know, you have to learn to deal with them sort of, mm-hmm. sort of thing and not, not use them anymore. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it, it's a big piece, a big puzzle. Mm-hmm. And it's just not one thing yeah. or another. There's lots of little things that fit in there. Hence why I've called this the the project, the unpacking depression. It's like, let's just like open up these pieces and let's unpack and Uh parse this out. And, you know, everybody's maybe going to have a different idea of that, of what that word even means, right? Like we throw around these words and they're kind of these catch-all terms and and yes, they are useful. And yes, sometimes we are kind of talking about the same thing and other times it's like we're just we're trying to put our finger on something that's so much bigger and more complex 
than just to say, oh, it's this thing. Let's call it depression, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I think people do like to pigeonhole you mm -hmm. into one, one little thing. Yeah. Because yeah. they can't, they don't know how to deal with it other than, you know, putting you in one, one little compartment. Yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty diverse and pretty complex person. Mm -hmm. And I'm very self-aware, very self-aware. And, and, and sometimes that works against me, but <laughs> sometimes it, it works for me. So yeah, there's a the kind of silver lining and experiencing some, you know, deeper challenges. You get to go through all this therapy and which, you know, really makes, hopefully who makes you, you know, very uh, self-aware. So, yeah. And not, not, so there's some people who just can kind of get by because they're, you know, functioning in a way that suits the way our society is designed and they don't they don't need to dig into that and look at yeah. that and, and talk about emotion and all of that right they can just kind of mm -hmm. put their head down and their tail up and do their job or what have you and yeah <laughs> yeah that's great. Even a curse I guess right in that way <laughs> yeah it's kind of kind of funny Mm -hmm. that yeah. uh yeah how complicated and how complex people are mm -hmm. you know and it's really I find it it's made me more empathetic to you know you try and put yourself in the other person's shoes rather than pass judgment on them you know they're probably having just as bad a day as you are and yes or, or did one time, you know, yes. so, yeah. The other blessing in these challenges and traumas and everything else, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's for sure. Thank you very much for unpacking all of this with me and kind of giving me a lot of food for thought and kind of a more comprehensive picture of what depression looks like at least for mm -hmm. you and so it'll be neat to hear all the other people that I get on the the show as well and just to hear what they share and to just learn more and yeah yeah that'll be interesting mm -hmm. yeah so let me just stop the recording here and then if you want to hang tight for a sec okay so thank you again Heather um for your time and for for sharing for coming on the the project oh you're welcome we'll talk. thanks for inviting me you are most welcome yeah